Hello and welcome to the Female Investors Project, the podcast that breaks down the complexity of investing and the market and helps you feel more confident when investing. I am your host Genevieve and today you are listening to episode 8 where we're looking at all of the different types of investing strategies and the ones that you may want to consider. Before we get straight into this episode, I wanted to just thank each and every listener. The podcast turns two months on the date of this release, so the 3rd of May, and it has been a very exciting journey. We've hit 400 listens over the whole podcast, and it's been very fun. I hope you're getting as much out of it as I am. The reason why we're covering investment strategies today is that a lot of you listeners are complete beginners and I thought that it would be interesting not only to have a look at the different kinds of way you can approach investing but also break down different strategies that other investors may be following because that will allow you to look at their investment strategies and the kind of topics or suggestions that they make in the light of their strategy. The benefit of this is that you don't have to stress out about aligning your methodology to theirs, but you just need to understand the context that they're talking about these investments. As I am a long-term investor, a lot of the rest of this podcast is generally catered to explaining investing in the context of a long-term investment. So maybe you might discover that there are different investment strategies that may align to what you want from investments more than what I'm talking about now. So let's start off with what is an investment strategy? An investment strategy is kind of the set of principles that will help you as an investor achieve your financial or investment goals. These principles can be as small, as big or you like, but the more specific and guiding your principles are, the easier it's going to be for you to invest and kind of narrow down on the investments that you know for sure are going to be the ones that you're going to be happiest with in the long term. Before we get into the different varieties of investing strategies, we're going to define some two key terms that define all kinds of investment strategies. So we've got the two overarching baskets of investment strategies, which are active investing and passive investing. So a passive strategy or passive investing more in general is a kind of approach to investing that it's like if you can't beat them, join them. So what you're doing is you're tracking exactly what's happening in the market, whether you're tracking just an asset class, just a specific industry or the whole market, you are taking what the market is giving you and saying this return is probably going to be enough for me. An active strategy aims to beat the market. Beating the market is the concept that an investor wants to get more than what the market portfolio is earning. So if the market, say, was earning 10%, you want to aim to earn more than 10%. The difference between active and passive investing, in my opinion, is like going to a restaurant where you can choose to have the set menu option where you get to try a bit of each dish because you're like, I've heard this restaurant is good, there's definitely going to be something in there that I like. And an active strategy is more like choosing something specifically off the menu. Sometimes you're going to be, yes, this is amazing, delicious. Sometimes you're going to taste someone else's and be like, oh, I wish I'd gotten that instead. So an active strategy is generally more risky because you could potentially be earning less than the market 
Not that that means that you've done a bad job. You might earn 7% instead of 8%, which is still more than what you'd earn in your bank account. But it still means that you could have invested in something better. And what we call the opportunity cost is 1%. An opportunity cost is what is the cost of putting your money into one option compared to the best option available. Now, as a beginner, you might want to start off with a passive strategy because it takes away the barriers to entry because you're not trying to do better than something that you don't understand or don't know well enough. And then there's nothing stopping you from moving into a more active strategy as you move along in your investing journey. You can also consider having a split strategy in your portfolio where 80% is in ETFs and takes on a more passive strategy. And you can have like a more active strategy with 20% of your money where you choose specific stocks. You can also think of investing in different types of ETFs as an active strategy because you're trying to earn more than what you would lock in if you're investing in only one of the ETFs you'd chosen. It's not a black and white approach to investing. You can figure it out as you go, but you should just know that these things are out there. So now as we start to analyze the different kinds of investing strategies you can take on, I will not divide them into a passive slash active lens of investing because I think that any strategy will have some form of active element to it because as I said, it's a spectrum and it's always good to be able to make more than whatever the market's making, right? But today, some of the strategies we'll be looking at are value investing, growth investing, momentum investing, And then we'll also be looking at different kinds of trading, margin investing, and then some of the bigger dollar kinds of investing like venture capital or angel investing. So let's start off with value investing. Value investing is an investment strategy where the investor seeks to find companies or even ETFs that are undervalued compared to their actual book value. So if you think of a company that may have $100,000 in assets and 1,000 shares on issue, that would mean that the book value for each share should be around $100. Say that company is actually trading at $90, you know that if that company was liquidated, so it went bankrupt and all its assets were sold, it would still be worth more than the current price of the stock. So you're buying it at what we call a discount. And that's what a value investor does. Now, obviously, the calculations to understand the value of a company are much more complex. And that's why the value of a company may be different from the share price it's trading at, because not all investors have the technical ability, nor the interest in calculating what the intrinsic value of the company is. But if that was something you were interested in, that's where you can start value investing because chances are if you're right and the company is undervalued and it's a good company, the share price will adjust to reflect the true value of the stock price and then you'll be able to sell for a profit. So the flip side of value investing, it's kind of similar but also very different, is growth investing. So the concept behind growth investing is you want to identify companies 
that have massive growth opportunities in the future. You can think of companies like Amazon, Google, Microsoft as companies that would have been amazing opportunities 10, 20 years ago. So that's where the growth opportunity comes into place. If you can find a company that you think is going to be the next Amazon or Microsoft and you invest in those companies so that you can sell your shares in 10, 15 years time for a massive profit, then that's taking on a growth strategy. I think a growth strategy also really applies to Bitcoin, not so much the alternative coins because there's just so much uncertainty around what's legit, what's a pump and dump. But if you're considering investing in cryptocurrency and Bitcoin specifically, because you think that it's going to blow up even more in the future, then you're taking on a growth strategy. You're not saying that it's overpriced or underpriced now. Potentially it's overpriced, right? So when we take on value investing, we're looking for something that is undervalued. A stock in the growth investing space may even be overvalued right now. But you know that compared to what you think it's going to be in 10 years time, it's still a bargain. If you're looking to get an understanding of investors in this space, Warren Buffett kind of encompasses both the value and the growth investing side of companies. And he's looking for the companies that are both a very good price for what they offer, but also have good growth opportunities into the future. Another thing about both the growth and the value investing strategies is that they typically are more long-term focus because you rely on the market to recognize the value of the stocks that you're purchasing now at the price you're purchasing now. And you need everyone else in the market to appreciate the value of these stocks so that the price goes up. If we're looking more on the short term side of investing, one of the strategies that I've seen a lot of is momentum investing. There's this concept of momentum in investing where a price that is growing in value tends to grow in value for six to 12 months just because of the momentum behind the buyers. So if there are lots of buyers who are interested in the stock, they're going to invest in it, the price may go up. And then as people see the price of this stock going up, they're also going to buy it and the stock price is going to go up even more. And there are studies that show that this happens over a six to 12 month period. So a momentum investor will say, right, I can see that this stock is growing now. It's only been growing for about a month. I think that it's got another 10 months of growth in it. I'm going to buy it now and sell it in 10 months time once the stock price starts to decrease. Now, obviously, for all these strategies that I'm talking about, there is more complexity and refinement into the strategy. I'm just giving you a broad overview because it's a 20 minute episode, but that's the general idea of momentum strategy. Then if we wanted to get into some of the really short term strategies, we're looking at trading, which is the process of buying and selling stocks on a very frequent basis. We're talking over the space of days and weeks. You see a lot of this in crypto because crypto is so volatile. You also see a lot of it in just volatile stocks in general because volatility means that you can buy low and sell high quite frequently. Now, obviously, volatility is paired with higher risk and trading in general also tends to be more costly because you're paying for trading fees every time you make a trade. So if you compare trading once a week to trading once every second month, the costs associated are going to be different. 
It also means that the profits you're making may be a little different, but a trading strategy also means that you may be foregoing some of the compounding of your returns in the long term. So if we then move into a different kind of investing altogether, we're looking at investments such as venture capital and angel investing. Now, this is a kind of investment that you need a lot of capital to get started in. And you generally also need a very good network of people who also have a lot of money to spend on startups and companies that have good growth opportunities. So venture capital and angel investing is all definitely a growth investment strategy in the sense that angel investors want to invest in startups that will then maybe go public or get sold to Alphabet, for example, which is the owner of Google. And then when you have those companies buying you out, then an angel investor who has a big stake in that company will then get a hefty return. Now, obviously, investing in startups is a pretty risky investment in the sense that you don't have many exit options, which means that if you are an investor in a startup that has no money and it isn't making profit yet, but could be making profit in five years time, you can't go to the company and be like, I don't like what you're doing anymore. Give me back all my money because chances are they just don't have it. And you also have the additional risk of liquidity risk where you can't even say to that company, well, just let someone else buy my stake in the company because they've generally put in a lot of capital into the investment. And it's pretty stressful as a startup owner to find someone who's going to buy a big portion of your company when you can't show that you've got profits. So it's a high risk strategy, but imagine being an angel investor in Apple, for example, where you've put in $100,000, you've got half the value of the company and then 30 years later, you're a multi-billionaire. It's a pretty good deal, but it's a limited space. I also didn't define this beforehand, but there's a difference between angel investing and venture capital. Angel investing is usually an earlier stage of fundraising to venture capital. I also think that it's really important to note that as this podcast is targeted to women, there are lots of angel investing groups and venture capital groups that are focused on women business owners and female entrepreneurs. Because as you can imagine, the venture capital space has been typically dominated by men, which means that if all of your investors are men, they may not see the value in a female led business when it's targeted to women. So there's definitely more recognition in this space of female entrepreneurs need to be recognized more and there need to be more women in venture capital actually giving out this money and investing in startups so that there isn't that bias of men not picking up on good ideas because they have their own biases or because they don't see the value in what's being presented. Whether this is conscious or unconscious, I'm not saying that it's been maliciously calculated that women don't get funding from investors but I'm saying that it has been historically a thing and there are some awesome groups that are trying to fix this. I'll put some examples in the show notes so you can get a feel for who's doing what in this space and it's pretty interesting and you'll find that venture capitalists have so much experience and can be very interesting to talk to. Now there are a couple of other investment strategies that I can think of that may be interesting to you. 
because as we said before, investing is all about the lens you look for investments with. So one that is becoming extremely popular is the socially responsible investing. You can find superannuation funds now that are investing your money in a more ethical and sustainable way. There are loads of ETFs that are doing the same kind of thing. They're putting on a filter for companies that are investing in socially responsible things, not investing in coal, fossil fuels or gambling, for example. And you can also apply your own lens to your investments if you're investing in specific companies. You can look into what they're doing to be socially responsible, what they're investing in, how they approach gender equality and that kind of thing. One thing that you need to be careful of and if you want to take on a socially responsible investing strategy is that you want to look into the filters that the company who says is doing ethical investing. You need to make sure that your values align with the filters that they're applying. The last thing that you want is to invest in something that a company has claimed to be ethical and socially responsible if in the back end of the business they are doing things you don't agree with or if even there's a portion of the business that is doing something that you don't agree with. So don't take ethical ETFs as face value if you do want to take on that strategy and you're really serious about it. I recommend looking into the companies that are part of that ETF or that fund You want to look into how they choose the companies that fall into that fund and you want to stay up to date with how the fund moves because if that's something important to you, you want to make sure that you're aligned and don't have any surprises. So that is all for episode eight. I hope you're more clear on the different types of investment strategies you can use. Remember that you can always change throughout your investing career. Try things out and if you don't like it, you can always try again. As long as you're not losing too much of your money, you will always benefit more from a mistake now than a mistake in 20 years when you need that money to retire or buy a house or whatever buffer you may need it for. I will talk to you next week. In the meantime, you can check out the Instagram group, the Female Investors Community. You can also check me out on Instagram and I will shortly be starting an investing book club. So check me out at The Female Investors. I will speak to you next week. Thanks for listening. Everything you heard today was general in nature and a reflection of my personal experience and opinions only. None of it is financial advice. I'm not a licensed financial advisor, so please contact one if you need to before making any big financial decisions. I'm all about making smart, well-thought-out decisions with your money, so do your own research before considering any stocks or products I may mention on the podcast. Oh, and don't forget any legal and tax implications that may arise from your investing adventures. I hope you had fun. See you next time.